Welcome to our coverage of the emerging digital health space. I'm MedTech Insights Managing Editor, Marion Webb, and with me today is our commercial and R&D manager, Reed Miller, and UK-based reporter, Barnaby Pickering. So Reed, let's start off with you. You have an update on J&J's robotic surgery plans. What can you tell us? Yeah, that's right. So Johnson & Johnson MedTech, as they want to be known now, um, said they are almost ready to launch the first in-human clinical trial for the long-awaited Ottawa soft tissue robotic surgery system. So on 7 November, the company announced plans to request an investigational device exemption from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration to initiate this clinical trial of the Ottawa robot in the U.S. So this is now two years later than they had originally told us that it was um, going to start. Uh, J&J first announced plans for a six-arm version of the robot in 2020, which would have put it um, on schedule to launch in 2023. Obviously, that didn't happen because in October 2021, the company rolled all that back. They said back then that the project had been delayed by at least two years due to, they said, technical development challenges, they mentioned supply chain disruptions, and other COVID-19-related impediments. Um, J&J also laid off about 300 people working on its robotic surgery projects in the last year. So obviously there were there was a lot of um, coming and going and, and some things they had to sort out. So obviously they, they've had to re- also redo some of the technical plans. The new version of Ottawa that J&J uh, plans to trial next year and they talked about a couple of weeks ago when they when they made this new announcement will only have four arms. Like I mentioned, the earlier version, they were very ambitious, had six arms. So that's a big difference. But the forearm is similar to the Da Vinci um, from Intuitive, which is probably going to be the main competition. But what is this robot for? And how is it different than competitive robots? Yeah, so they are are referring to Ottawa as a general surgery robot. They also call it a soft tissue surgical robot. Um, Once it reaches the market, it will compete with established general surgery robots, like I said, Intuitive Surgicals, Da Vinci, which is kind of a well-known name, and then Medtronic's Hugo. So each of Ottawa's arms can be stowed under the surgical table when it's not needed. It allows more space for the surgeons and staff to remove around the table compared to some of these earlier generation devices. It also has a twin motion, which they call unified movement of the table and the arms that you've got to reposition the patient without interrupting the procedure. They hype that up a lot. So the company hopes that they can catch up with these these established competitors in this market by highlighting those features. I think surgeons are really going to like that. Um, they mentioned you know that surgeons have come to them and be like, oh, we like working with J and J, but we really wish they had a robot. So J and J, of course, is Ethicon. Ethicon instruments are very well known to a lot of surgeons, and so this device will use those same instruments. So they're hoping that the surgeons that like Ethicon will also like this robot. J&J also markets the Monarch robot platform for bronchoscopy and urology procedures. They also have the Avelis with a Y, a robot for orthopedic surgery. So the company is thinking maybe they could compete by offering hospital systems like a big deal on all three of these robotic systems and, and not, a, you know, as well as all the other stuff J&J makes. So they're hoping that will be an angle for them. Uh, at least that's what the analysts said. They also pointed out that there's simply room for more robots in the market. Less than 10% of the potential market for robotic surgery, according to J&J, is penetrated. So 
there's just going to be growth all around. And so if other competitors get into it, they'll be able to find customers. At least that's the idea. Okay, so over to you, Marianne. You recently had a great opportunity to interview Olivier Ropa. He is the division vice president at Abbott Lingo Biowearables. What can you tell us about that interview? Yeah, so it's been almost two years now since Abbott CEO Robert Ford first introduced Abbott's plans for developing this new line of biowearables for consumers called Lingo. When he first talked about it, he was at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas back in January of 2022. So as you know, Abbott has a long history of developing sensing technologies for people living with diabetes. And this new line builds on Abbott's highly successful Freestyle Libre sensor, which of course is for people with diabetes. It measures a person's glucose levels. So this new biowearable is targeted at the average consumer, so people without diabetes, to basically help them identify habits that have a negative impact on their health and then guide them to modify these behaviors and become healthier. So back in 2022, Abbott said they plan to introduce the first continuous ketone monitor to the European market later that year. And that was designed for people who were on the ketogenic diet. And Ford said back in 2022 at CS that Abbott was going to translate a wide range of biometric signals. And that includes glucose, ketones, lactate, and alcohol. But it wasn't actually until this year, to be specific, in August, when Abbott finally introduced the first lingo biowearable to consumers in the UK. And that biowearable actually focuses on tracking glucose. So it's been introduced as a test market in the UK for three months now. And the idea is to have UK as a test market and then a plan for US regulatory filing later this year, which we'll also follow up on with regards to if, if that actually happened. So I was really happy to learn about Lingo and how it works from an interview at the health conference, which took place in October in Vegas with Olivier Ropa, who was the division VP of Lingo Biowearables. So Ropa said that the debut of the Lingo in the UK was extremely positive, and he believes that the main reason people actually buy this product is to boost their energy and manage their weight. So just to give a brief overview of how the biowearable works, Lingo starts by actually establishing a baseline reading of your body's glucose levels and the fluctuations through the sensor that's worn on the back of your arm. And the proprietary algorithms then assess a person's diet intake, exercise levels, sleep, and other factors that affect glucose levels and establishes what is called a lingo count. And that is the glucose spike value. So the more glucose spikes you have, the more lingo counts you accrue throughout the day. And then the AI basically acts like a coach and tells the user uh, what to do in order to keep their lingo count below a certain target. Okay, so how much is that gonna cost? So in the UK, the price tag for Lingo is 300 euros for the first two months and then 120 euros thereafter. And yes, Ropa expects that it will be competitively priced once it makes its way to the US, pending, of course, uh, regulatory clearance.
All right, so that sounds like it could be uh, an important tech that helps people dial in healthy habits. Uh, I'm sure there's a market for that. Now, you also wrote about another company that's trying to help people with actual chronic disease, such as diabetes, and help them live healthier and even maybe get off their meds. Yes, so while I was at the health conference, I also had a chance to sit down with Lisa Shah, who is the chief medical officer for Twin Health, and John Davis, who is the commercial chief officer for Twin Health to learn about Twin's platform. So the Twin platform also uses a continuous glucose monitor, but they also use wearables that track biomarkers such as heart rate, sleep, exercise, blood pressure, as well as a smart scale to create a digital twin. And a digital twin, as it was explained to me, is basically a replica of a person's human metabolism with real-time sensor data that is then analyzed, of course, using algorithms to make specific recommendations on food and exercise. So Twin Health actually recently published data from a clinical trial that showed that several of its participants who are people with diabetes actually were able to improve their health using this program, and so much so that they were able to stop taking diabetes medications, which is, of course, a huge milestone. All right, so that sounds very promising. Um, can you maybe talk a little bit more about what the business model for that is? Yeah, so Twin Health partners with self-insured employers that offer the platform as a wellness product. And it also partners with health plans. So the company's goal for 2024 and beyond is to expand their reach across health plans so that more people can use the twin platform and more people can take the twin with them when they switch health plans. Barnaby, let's go over to you now. So you published two digital pieces. One is about the gut biome and the other talks about venture capital. What can you tell us about your articles? Sure. So the first story thought about the gut biome uh, centers on one individual, Leo Grady. Some listeners may recognize his name. He used to be the CEO of Page, which was the first company to secure an FDA approval for an AI based histology software, specifically in the use of prostate cancer. Um, Page has gone on to secure several more FDA approvals, lots and lots of big commercial partnerships. It's kind of really at the forefront of its own field industry. Um, Grady has now turned his attention to the gut microbiome, um, largely due to his experiences observing other companies in the space. Um, Grady argues that many of these companies are merely wellness oriented and don't provide valuable insights to patients, despite charging a lot of money for their tests. Jonah is working around this problem with AI. The company is building up a large database of patient data um, and it's using metagenomic sequencing, a relatively new technique which can sequence all of the genes present from all of the organisms in a sample. The hope is that by doing this, more detailed insights can be derived. The second story that I wrote is about Sofanova, um, the Paris-based uh, venture capital group, um, and their latest fund, which is kind of aptly named Sofanova Digital Medicine One. Um, the fund raised $200 million uh, in, I believe, an oversubscribed round. Um, and has so far invested in five different companies. The first is Betteromics. They secured $20 million in a Series A, and they are developing a data management platform that uses computation to allow researchers to quickly process and understand large amounts of clinical data. 
Betteromics primarily focuses on the genomics, proteomics and other omics disciplines. The second company, Biocortex, received $5 million in a seed round, which was joined by Hoxton Ventures. And they're working on a platform that enables simultaneous in silico modelling of the patient's microbiome and the treatment they receive. It goes a little bit deeper than that, but obviously your gut health can impact how your body absorbs a drug. Um, so that's essentially what they're modelling. Third company is called DeepSea. They raised 12 million euros in a Series A round, and they've created what I describe as an app store for regulator-approved AI radiology software. Um, there's a lot of approved software out there at the moment, but it can be quite hard for hospitals to bring it on board. They don't know where to shop. They don't know how to host it. Deep Sea solves this. Uh, the fourth company is called Kiro. They raised 13.8 million euros in a Series A, and They've essentially created a platform that aims to reduce the confusion around clinical results. Um, both doctors and patients can be kind of bombarded by, you know, just blood work alone. So that's what they're working on. The fifth company, and I'm probably going to butcher its pronunciation, is called Lecole AI. They raised $3 million in a seed round. And it's a platform for what Sofanova call machine teaching rather than machine learning. In effect, Lacole AI is aiming to reduce the complexity associated with developing deep learning systems for computer vision applications. Interesting. Thank you so much, Barnaby, for that overview and also for your coverage, Reid. You can read about all of these topics and more at medtechinsight.com. There you can also access all of our podcasts, including past editions of the Digital Health Roundup and all of the podcasts from our sister publications like Script Pink, HBW, and In Vivo. Just click on the podcast menu. Thanks for listening and have a great rest of the holiday weekend if you're celebrating.